0: Welcome to prayer week with the church next door. It's one of my favorite weeks of our rhythm. We have a Sunday rhythm and you can check it out online if you want to know more. But every first week of the month is a prayer week. And I found it to be an awesome kind of refuge week. In my own life, as far as Sundays go, you know, our world is filled with information. You can get it on Facebook and Twitter and CNN.com and and over the cell phone and and you name it. We're constantly information, information. And I found this prayer week to be a great night to slow down and actually engage in a a conversation with our Heavenly Father. And, And I always like to say... I would think it was a shame if we believed this was the only time we could do that because I, I look at what Paul says. He talks about praying without ceasing. But I also believe that a, an evening like this can be a great spark to help us remember how powerful that is and give us a little taste of what we can experience all week long. In fact, every week before the service, if you believe in the power of prayer, Steve and Virgie are upstairs at 5 o'clock from 5 to 5.30, just covering this, this whole evening, our community, our world in prayer. And I believe sort of like Charles Spurgeon used to call it, that little room that they meet in up there, that's, that's the boiler room. Yeah. That's where the, the real power and the heat and the energy of real ministry comes out of. So if you want to join them, just show up early any week, 5 o'clock, and uh, be a part of that. But Tonight... I want to start out by asking you, have you ever noticed how easy it is to slip into a mode where we're always complaining? Am I the only one? <laughs> I've got a few triggers in my life, and I'm sure as I mentioned my triggers, you can probably think of a few of your own. Situations that come up where I know I better watch myself because there's this inner struggle where it's real easy for me to shift into heavy-duty complaint mode. One of those is anytime we're running late somewhere. (laughs) I've learned that I need to be very careful. There's this battle going on inside where I can shift into very negative Scott really quick, and I begin to complain about everything. I can let that ruin my whole day, getting somewhere five minutes late. I've got to watch that. Uh, Driving is another big one. I don't know... If you guys have noticed, but I think over the past few years, like less and less drivers know anything about manners on the road. You know, things like uh, don't don't pull over right in front of someone that's going sixty-five miles an hour. You know, you're supposed to leave a cushion, and don't don't get in the passing lane and and drive. Five miles under the speed limit, those things, when, when those things start to happen to me, I know there's this inner struggle going on where I can easily let that ruin a whole morning for me if I'm not careful. Another one is uh, when I'm working on putting a new accessory, hooking it up to my computer. <laughs> I love the, the final outcome usually, but that process in between getting it out of the box and getting it to where it works... <laughs> This weekend, we're Mac people at our house, and we had, we had tried to use another hard drive to back up our computers from a non-Mac company, and twice those went down on us. So I finally bit the bullet and got their, their time capsule, which is you know supposed to be this amazing way to back up your computer. It turns out it probably is, but there were about 20 hours where I wasn't convinced it was anything more than a plastic piece of junk. And I tried getting this thing to work with with my Mac, and Friday night, I was getting near the end of the process, I thought, but there's one piece that was driving me nuts. I wanted to figure out how to access the stuff on Carolyn's computer and how she could access the stuff that was on mine in that backup drive. And at the peak of that uh, rich experience, (laughs) I had opened a, a drawer on my desk, and it was right where I needed to unplug the computer, and I forgot I had opened the door, and I reached down to unplug that thing. Bam! Smack, I don't know if any of you saw the dot on my forehead tonight. That's what, <laughs> I'm not going Hindu. That, <laughs> that was that desk drawer, and those are moments where it's very easy to slip into the mode where uh, Ralph's dad on A Christmas Story was working with the furnace. <laughs> if you know that movie, but complaining, in a lot of ways, if you spend much time talking with many people, it seems to be like a, a national pastime. It doesn't take long. You, you talk to a complete stranger, and 30 seconds in, they're just going off about something. And if you're not careful, you're, you're real quick to join in there, and it's just common. And I remember back when I was a little kid, my mom used to say, if, if you can't say nothing good, don't say nothing at all, and I thought, man... We'd be a pretty quiet nation if people followed that. The truth of it is, if we allow that to seep into who we are and into our lives as a regular habit, I believe it begins to hinder our relationship with God. It begins to get in the way and interfere with our prayer life. Because if I'm reading my Bible right, prayer in a thankful heart are glued together. They should never, ever find themselves separated. You guys know the verse, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I know a lot of us got that last part of that verse down pat. We like that idea of having peace. But how many times do we blow right past that little two-word phrase that says, present those requests with thanksgiving? There was a true story of a 10-year-old girl that was reciting that verse to her pastor, and she started going through it. and, And how she started out, she said, be thankful for nothing. Be anxious in everything. <laughs> and then she said, wait a second, I, I got to start over. But that pastor took that and used it as a great illustration. He said, you know, that little girl messed that verse up, but in reality, how many of us, is that how we live our lives? Thankful for nothing, <laughs> anxious in everything. The word thank itself is pretty interesting. It comes, I know we got Paul Trout here. He is a linguist. He could tell you more about this than I could. But think and thank actually come from the same root word. Think and thank. Which is kind of interesting, and it pushes me to the idea that if we would take a little time to slow down and think a little more, reflect a little more, we might by default become more thankful people. Because isn't it usually when we're just rushing around like chickens with our heads cut off from one thing to another, is always looking to the next thing and never looking back at the good things that have happened in the past. Isn't that when we shift into complaint mode? But don't you find that when you take that time to slow down for 15 minutes or a half hour or an hour and just think a little bit, all of a sudden you almost naturally become more aware of the things that God's done for you? Could it be that it's as simple as slowing down every now and then and thinking about those things? Because when we do that, you know what? That produces a, a thankful soil in our hearts. And it's that kind of soil that produces a meaningful, powerful prayer life. Paul was a man who got this, Paul the Apostle. How many of you guys know that when it comes to being thankful, one of the toughest areas is people? (laughs) It's easy, right, when you're out on Mingus Mountain after the first snow and you're hiking alone and you're looking at the the white trees and the sun shining through them and the breeze is blowing and and you see a little blue jay chirping. You're like, oh, God, I'm so thankful. Then you come down that mountain and you meet people again and they're driving (laughs) in front of you. And you meet people at this store that got 20 items in the 15-item lane, and, and it doesn't take long before that thankfulness goes out the window. But Paul, in about five or six of his letters, started like this. Romans 1.8 says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Paul was thankful for those Romans. In like five or six of his letters, he started out that way. leads me to believe that thankfulness for other people is the way it ought to be for genuine Christians who are in the will of God. That just ought to be part of who we are. John said it more boldly than I could in 1 John. He said, anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. You say he loved God. We better love people. We better be thankful for the people that he's put in our lives. And if we're not, that's something that needs to be confessed and laid down. Because so we're often so good at rationalizing all the reasons, aren't we? We've got a million and two reasons why it's okay for me not to love that person. <laughs> John doesn't give us a lot of wiggle room. But Paul also got this thing about thankfulness in the middle of trials. When life gets hard, he said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, "'Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus.'" And if you don't know a lot about Paul's life, you might say, hey, that's pretty easy for a super apostle like Paul to say. Well, it must be nice to be at the top of the Christian food chain. Paul, it's easy for you to say. You know, you met Jesus on the Damascus Road. But if we're thinking that way, we don't know much about what it means to be a leader in the Christian faith. Because Jesus said, the greatest among you will become the servant of all. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you And for Paul, this was not just theory. This was not just an idea. Paul lived this out in the darkest of situations. And one of my favorite examples of this, he's out with a close ministry friend named Silas, proclaiming the truth about Jesus. The authorities told them to stop, and they wouldn't. They brought them in. They were beaten they were locked up in a prison. And prison wasn't the place you think of when you think of prison today. I want you to think rats. I want you to think little food. I want you to think filth all around you. I want you to think stocks. I want you to see Paul and Silas sitting there with these whip wounds on their back. Listen to what Acts 16.25 says about midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. You can bet those other prisoners were listening to them. They're probably saying, these guys are crazy. (laughs) These guys, something's up with these two. Because after being whipped that day and thrown in prison, here they are with this thankful attitude, praying and praising God. So when Paul talks about being sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, he knows it from firsthand experience. I want you to listen to the rest of the story. Many of you know this. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night... The jailer took them, washed their wounds. Immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Now I hear that story and I think it's no wonder the Philippian jailer and his whole family believed in Jesus that night. Now we've got to admit an earthquake sets free all your prisoners, tends to make you more receptive, right? So let's start there. But I think there's something more going on there. This jailer, in the middle of all that chaos, saw two men, heard two men praising their God in the darkest of situations. And he knew there's something different about these guys. And he wanted what they had. He wanted that kind of peace. And it made me think about what Paul said in Philippians 2.14. He said, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. Listen to this, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Here they are in the darkness of a prison cell. He talks about shining like stars in the universe. The universe is dark, and stars blast out at your eyes from the universe, right? We know that well here. You look up in this Arizona sky, they penetrate. They're in the darkest of situations praising their God, shining like stars in the universe because they haven't given in, in a situation where they had every human right to complain and complain and complain some more. They didn't give in to that. They chose the path of gratitude. And it makes me think about my own life. Is that how I live? Do I live in such a way that I'm thankful to God as long as things are going good, but when it gets hard, I, I'm down there in the complaints, right, with everybody else, just Mucking it up in the mud and the yuck of, of complaining or or am I like these guys who, even when it gets hard'm I'm, I'm praising God, and I'm holding on, and yeah, I shed tears, and yeah, I hurt, and yeah I'm honest about that, but I hold on to hope, and people around me say, hey what the, what's up with with him? And he's got something inside of him, someone inside of him that I want, you know that that challenges me. Are we thankful or do we? complain just like everybody else the truth is if we're not thanking God we're robbing him of what's due him he's due our thanks you know how how do you like it in your own life when a friend or someone just just uses you takes and takes and takes and takes and never stops to say thank you for what you've done Why do we expect that that wouldn't grieve God? He wants us to bring those requests, but what if we had the same urgency to thank him as we did to ask him? Like, wow, I can't wait to thank him for this. Or what if we thanked him as specifically as we ask him for things? We get pretty specific when we got a need, right? Often our thanks are just, hey, thanks, God, for... It's just real general. What if we got that specific? One man said it this way, what if you only had today what you thanked God for yesterday. It's a good thing God doesn't operate that way sometimes, isn't it? What if you only had today? Uh, What you thanked God for yesterday. Here's the flip side. When we offer that thanksgiving to him, it's a pleasing sacrifice to him. Listen to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Through Jesus then, Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And I wonder if some of us here tonight feel like we're frozen in our prayer lives, like we haven't grown in a few years, like we've been stuck at this point. And I wonder if it's because we've fallen into this mode of complaining, I wonder if we're not like the guy in the airport trying to catch his plane and the the power goes out and he begins to complain and he says I missed my flight because the power went out and I was stuck on the escalator let that sink in (laughs) all he had to do was move forward walk, walk down or up the escalator and get where he's going right? For some of us, all we have to do in the power of the Spirit is confess this complaining attitude that we have and let Him take us into a mode where we're thankful. And then watch Him grow you into a powerful and dynamic prayer life. And that's what we're going to be doing tonight for the rest of the service. I want to invite you into this experience. Did everybody get Post-it notes when you came in? Okay. Good. I want to shift modes for a second and tell you what we're going to be doing. We put this refrigerator out here on purpose because the refrigerator in many of the walls at our house, with our two boys being there, are kind of like a museum of sorts. Jaden likes posting his own things on there, and they, they mean a lot to us. As his father, the things he posts on the walls and posts on the fridge, even though they're, they're old wrinkled papers and average, everyday markers. They, they mean the world to me. I want to show you a few of the things. It's kind of dark, but I'll, I'll tell you what they say. These first couple just make me laugh because they show me some of his unique personality as my, as my boy. This one just says, Stinky Feet, right now. <laughs> He's five, and he thinks stinky feet are the most hilarious thing in the world. He, his aunts and uncles come over, and he, the first thing he wants to say is, Smell my feet, smell my feet, they stink today. <laughs> This next one, you can tell he's a, a pastor's kid. This one says, do you want me to call you doo-doo? And there's, <laughs> there's a box that says, check yes, and then there's a box that says, check no. So he may be a pastor's kid, but Carolyn's working on him, so he checked no. Um, she's, she's getting in. Th- those ones just show me a little bit of his unique way that he looks at the world. Sometimes he posts things that, That tell me what he wants like he he wrote one today that says PBS or Disney and he's saying he wants to go to one of those websites and play the game on there and he just hands it to me it says dad and so we got him on uh, PBS this next one this is because we recently got friends that have ten kids he he wrote this and put it on their our fridge said I want ten kids in our family (laughs) he's requesting mom and dad what he wants. I want 10 kids in our family. And and then there's other ones where he puts up things from moments together that meant something to him, or just being together, or the idea of being together. He likes to pretend like he's writing his own own books. And so he made a cover to one that says, Jaden and his dad counts to 10. And that's Jaden, and that's me. And that means a lot to me, just that he put me in his story where he counts to 10. He wrote, dancing time on one piece of paper, because about three, four times a week, we'll turn up the stereo in our living room, and all four of us will just dance around for 20 or 30 minutes. And that's a blast for all of us. That obviously means something to him to spend that time together. He wrote on this one, "Woohoo, hoo good vacation. We love Dad, we love Mom, we love Jaden and Evan. We just got back from a vacation at that time that, that meant a lot to him this one, he's writing to his mom. He says, hey, honey, I love you. <laughs> oh, and daddy too. <laughs> yeah, I love you, Evan. That's his little brother. We love you, dad. Thanks for you from Jaden. And uh, the last one is his first picture of the cross that he drew without any encouragement. He just said, hey, I'm going to draw a picture of the cross. And, And like I said, while those are Wrinkled up papers and simple everyday markers, those mean the world to us as his mom and dad. And I thought tonight, what if God had a refrigerator door? And those of us who believe in him as our heavenly father, who have trusted in Jesus Christ, what would we put on that refrigerator door uh, to tell him how thankful we are? What I'm going to invite you to do is take those post-it notes that you got, and we'll have some verses up there to help spark your, your thoughts about thankfulness. But I want you to write down three or four or five things that you're thankful for. And then we'll tell you what, you're, what we're going to do with them. Uh, but for now, I want to pray uh, that God would get us in that place where we're thankful. And uh, I hope this becomes a meaningful evening uh, for him and for us. Lord, I thank you so much for all that you have given. Number one being the gift of your son. Jesus Christ to give his life for us, uh, that we might be forgiven if we trust in you. Lord, I pray that tonight there would be just a symphony of thankfulness rising up to your throne from your people. Lord, that uh, you bring to mind many wonderful things to be thankful for. As we prepare to take this offering before we get into our prayer time, Lord, I pray that that would be one more act of gratitude out of a heart that trusts you and loves you and Wants to give back to you hilariously. I pray that no one here would give if they feel like they're pressured, Lord. But that they just love you and want to give to you out of gratitude for all you've done to them and for them. In Jesus' name, amen.